Hey everyone, just want to encourage you to find us on your listening platform and give us a rating. Anywhere you listen to that has a rating system, go on over and give us a rating and maybe leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. These ratings really do help. Thank you so much for listening. On to this week's episode. Hanging out Down the street The same old thing we did last week Not a thing to do But talk to you Oh, we're all alright We're all alright Hello, Wisconsin! We're talking about That 70s Show, guys uh, That 70s Show and the new Netflix what is it actually a remake reboot or a revival of that 70s show i guess a rebootish kind of i guess of? a reboot kind of thing reboot revival reboot revival sort of and even maybe even a remake i mean uh, it's technically a spin-off but like, yeah but that all right so we'll put in the revival category uh and that 90s show on netflix the remake reboot spin-off thing so uh so yeah let's get into it i'm nicole and I'm Rolando. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast. About? On originality. Uh, so before we get into it, uh, a couple days ago, the Oscar nominations came out, and I kind of wanted to chat about it with you. Cause I don't want to chat. I don't know anything about it. Oh, okay. Let's just skip it then. <laughs> the only thing I know is that, like, uh, as we predicted, what's her? Uh, Angela name? Bassett. Got Angela nominated. Bassett got the Oscar nom. That makes it the first Marvel Cinematic Universe acting. For acting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, nomination. Any big ones that got nominated that are that we covered? Yeah, we've covered three of the ten nominated films, and potentially we'll do a fourth film. What? Are, which? What three? Okay, so the nominees that we've covered are Avatar The Way of Water, which you actually were not present for. But uh, Wait, it got nominated for Best Picture? It got nominated for Best Picture. That's an atrocity. You haven't seen it. I Just from the trailer, <laughs> I can tell you that's a goddamn abomination. Well, the first one got Shame. nominated, and the first Shame. one was well, the first one was Well, the first one was groundbreaking. What's groundbreaking about the second one? This Oh, my gosh. This is as groundbreaking as the first one. You weren't. On the podcast, you don't I was, know. I, nor did I listen to the episode. <laughs> Thank, nor wow! I. Thanks so much for your support, Rolando. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't dwell in the past. I'm only looking forward to the future. <laughs> All right. The other nominated film we covered is Elvis, which you know really kind of constitutes constitutes it's like a remake or revival since Elvis's story has been told many many times. So we we kind of you know we're. Uh, very loosey goosey that week, but hey, we covered it. It was a good episode. Listen to it. Uh, also, something I just don't think deserves an Oscar nomination. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I'm happy, but I'm also kind of shocked because I was yeah, like, it's... wow, I just didn't think so. Yeah, it's uh, and then Top Gun Maverick got nominated for Best Picture, which is not going to win, but deserves the win. It's not. Opinion. Well, you see, Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick got in there because I think the Academy realized we should nominate movies that people see. Well, we that's should... been, that's why they added like 10. Yes, but films. <laughs> yeah, they added 10 films, though, like a long time ago. And like the movie theater going and like the divide between, you know, like the movies that people see and the movies that people don't see has grown even more wider. And so I think just like these past couple of years, especially since the pandemic, the Oscars, nobody cares. 
people don't care about the Oscars anymore. Rightfully it used so. to be kind of like a big thing. And it's like so weird. Like, why do you not care out of curiosity? I honestly, I don't watch that many movies unless it's for the podcast. Do you care and, about the uh, Emmys? Not even. Actually, I'm not like, I don't really care about award culture. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But I do prefer the Emmys over the Oscars because usually the Emmys I will have seen more and I tend more. to be more invested in those shows. Got it. Uh, yeah. than, than, than the Oscars for sure. Yeah. I think as a society, we used to be more into these like awards and used to be like, let's see all these movies and vote as to who we think deserves it. And like, maybe it's the millennials taking over, but millennials don't give a fuck about award shows like that. It feels I don't think, like I think it's actually the younger generations. Definitely also Gen Z, but also I think you know now we're all of the age group that makes up like the chief demographics of certain yeah. things. So I also think the other problem though with the war shows is just that uh, we, as a society, like I think the appeal of the war shows back then was like the glamour, the fashion, the yeah. uh, prestige. But now since celebrities are so accessible because of social media, it's like. It's just another. We just feel like it's another thing that they're just like blowing smoke up each other's asses, and it's yeah, it. yeah. And I, as a society too, we're more cynical. So, like you said, they're blowing smoke up by each other's asses is definitely how we feel about it. And again, people are like movies have a lot of real competition. They're not the number one platform of media anymore, so people don't care as much because most of the time too, they're probably looking at the list and being like, "I haven't seen half these films, nor do I care to." So interesting uh, times we live in. But we covered three of the ten. Um, we might cover the fourth, which is all quiet on the Western Front, that got nominated for Best Picture. So mm. I'm going to use it as an excuse to cover that because I've wanted to cover that. Um, even though you know who cares if it wins or not, I just want to cover it. So, all right, all right, cool. So that's that. I guess you know now we could get into this week's topic, which is that '70s show slash that '90s show. Did you watch that '70s show growing up? Um, I didn't watch it religiously right like i wasn't it wasn't my friends mm. uh <laughs> it was more like something occasionally i would it would be on and i would watch it and stuff and i get a giggle here and there uh you know what i realized like i was never big into shows and movies that are about getting high because i enjoy getting high i don't like watching media that's about getting high i just feel like okay. it's like poser shit like it's like you fucking losers like <laughs> okay yeah i guess you could that's an interesting first stepping off point to make about that 70s show because that is a big chunk of it like it's established within i think the, the pilot the pilot the, for mm. sure like yeah they have like the the stoner circle yeah this yeah that's like and and the point of view of him when he's talking to his parents and stuff which is great which is funny yeah and actually i thought that was cool um i didn't watch this I actually realized that a lot of late 90s, early 2000s sitcoms revolved around a bunch of friends together and most of them being white with like maybe one token person who was a POC. Mm -hmm. um, friends, That 70s Show, Big Bang Theory, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, yeah, all shows that I really, I mean, Friends I like, but the rest of them I never cared for. Big Sorry, Bang I, Theory was what year? That was like way later. Big Bang Theory and I think How I Met Your Mother both came out in the early 2000s. Whereas That 70s Show came out in the 90s. Yeah. That 70s Show came out in the 90s. I feel like Big Bang Theory only recently just ended. And I think they had like, that was like already Let's like, see. I'm typing, if you hear that. The aughts. It came out and it debuted in 2007. 
2007. Yeah, so that's even that's late aughts and stuff. So that's I already like so, but... past. Like that's uh that's already when like I think streaming is about to dawn, and you know what I mean. About to, but it's still right there in the heyday, and kind of like okay, well we did a show about these type of people and these type of people. Now let's do a show about these type of people, and all of them are mainly white. <laughs> right. I've never watched The Big Bang Theory. Um, but I mean, I are they? I, it mainly? gets a lot of hate, but yeah, they're all they're predominant. There's one token, uh, POC. person of color. Yeah. And uh, that is uh, Raj. Okay. And just like and just like Fez, like you know, the question of sexuality is constantly there mm. because they feminine, fem- they make that character effeminate. I see. So look, it is what it is that these shows have all white people. It's not like a something that's gonna like piss me off automatically. It it is what it is. So many of these old school shows fall victim to that, you know. So, but again, you know, just pointing it out the fucking obvious. Um, you know what's keep... so interesting mm-hmm. about that critique? It's just like, oh, why do all these friends have to be white? Like, I think my friends predominantly tend to be Hispanic when I hang out. And there's like the token one or two white person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think is that that's like I, I don't think it's a fair critique when this is like, why is everyone got to be white? Because it's like usually you hang out with what you know right no absolutely usually yeah who you grow up with stuff that tends to be like, i think on your neighborhood. the critique would be more so than they're all white like all, all the, the shows, shows that's the, that should, yeah. that is a fair critique it's just like well why are yeah. all these shows white? why don't we have shows that are about the black friend group or like the hispanic friend group and, yeah uh, and if they do can they be on like bigger networks with, with more you know mainstream accessibility yeah not like upn yeah exactly <clears throat> so and that for a while that's what it was it's not anymore we've really improved upon that so um have we i would say we have okay go ahead what, all right well like, let's talk about some you- of the most prominent shows currently about maybe a group of friends and now this is where you're gonna have to talk about that i mean the most prominent show right now that comes to mind that's still running is always sunny philadelphia and they are all white oh and we're talking strictly about sitcoms Yes. Sitcoms. I think aren't sitcoms kind of dead though? No, we've had this discussion. Sitcoms are not dead. I the multi cam The multi cam in front dead. of a live audience that sitcom. One that's is, dead. That is dead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But not the sitcom. Actually uh the sitcom I think is alive and well. Abbott Elementary. Now that's a predominantly minority cast. But that's a workplace comedy. That's not really a friend comedy. Yeah. Now, I, a lot of these friend comedies have been taken over by the workplace comedy. And there's a reason um, for that, right? Because post 9-11, no, post 9-11 is when we moved away from New York City. Uh, but also, I think it, it was uh, like after the show, after The Office, the reason I think we as a, as a culture moved towards workplace comedies because like they allow for more culture. Like you choose your friends. You can't choose who you work with unless you quit. Like, I mean, you're stuck with <laughs> yeah. them. Therefore, making, yeah. therefore, making though whatever drama happens at workplaces, you're stuck with. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're out of your control. Uh, that's why shows like Parkins, Parks and Rec was popular. Uh, uh, Abbott Elementary right now. I'm trying to think of uh, Ted Lasso is basically a workplace comedy. American Auto. Um, supermarket. Oh. I don't know. These oh, are Superstore, shows which I love. I love Superstore. Now, are these shows diverse in their cast? Superstore is, <clears throat> I would say, predominantly white, but, like, it has a Hispanic lead. Oh, okay. no. Actually, that's a lie. I would say that uh, that's a mixed bag of, like, 
cultures and stuff, which I think is actually fairly representative of like as someone who worked at a supermarket, like what you would see. You know? mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, we're getting a little off topic, but suffice to say that this used to be more common, at least in the representation of the 90s. And we've gotten somewhat better, maybe not as better as we hope we are, or at least maybe I am in my dreamland hoping we are. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that 70s show. Really, really simply put, this is a show about a group of friends. Because <laughs> that's what we're talking about, friends shows. Uh, and they're all living in the fictional town of Point, Plain, Point Place, Wisconsin. Between May 17th, 1976, the pilot to New Year's Eve of 1979, right before it turns 1980. And then the show just cuts out and that's it because we're not going to spend any time in the 80s because then it wouldn't be that 70s show. Right, because we already had that one 80s show and it flopped. Yes. That's right. When that 70s show was so successful, they tried to do that. No mm-hmm. good. Um, so show is about Eric Furman, who's the main character played by Topher Grace. And he's kind of like this nice um, kind of dorky kid who everyone likes to hang out in his basement. He's got this ultimate crush on his next door neighbor. He's known for years and years and years. Donna Pinciotti, I believe, mm-hmm. played by Laura Prepon, who or whatever her name is, who I think is so hot. Laura Pepron. Prepron, yeah. It's that it's that voice. It's that husky voice that I'm just like, oh, she's so hot. Isn't she a Scientologist? She, I think she was, but I think she uh, stopped. You know, she's oh, like, yeah, no, you're right. Like Laura, Leah Remini. Laura Pep- Prepon. Prep- Prepon, yeah. She was also in Orange is the New Black, and she was a, right. a hot-ass lesbian, so favoritism. Uh, there's also Ashton Kutcher, who plays Michael Kelslow, who's like the kind of the idiot of the group. And just, you know, yeah. He's the idiot just heartthrob. Idiot. But he's, he's he's a hottie. Yeah, he's for tall. Sure, yeah, he's like the himbo. Fit. Yeah, he's a himbo. There you go. Perfect word for him. Uh, Danny Masterson plays Stephen Hyde, who's the sarcastic, you know, token, maybe quote-unquote cool one. He's always got his glasses on and always down to smoke and, yeah, make fun of other people. And he's also like the, not outlier, but he's definitely the, the poorer one out of the group. Mm. He comes from like the broken family. And uh, I think he is the first one to get, like, hooked on, like, alcohol. Oh, wow. Okay. If I remember one of his story arcs and stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's always the poor kid that has to develop the problems. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Reminds me of Boy Meets World. Uh, There's Mila Kunis as Jackie Burkhart, um, who, when she started the show, was 14 years old. I know. Can you believe that? She was. Well, she admitted that she lied about her age, but still. That's uh, crazy. They were they were pairing her up with Ashton Kutcher. The early episodes that I was watching, they never really kissed. It was always like insinuated and stuff, and then you they would go off camera. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, creators were just like, okay, we can't obviously have these two. Yeah, because making out. Yeah, and now they're married. So weird world. Look at that. It's only six years apart, yeah. though. It's just they started off as like a twenty. Yeah, but when they started off, she was fourteen, he was nineteen, and that's you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jackie, uh, she's the youngest and they kind of don't like her in the beginning. She's kind of rich and, and, and spoiled and just kind of a buzzkill. But, you know, they grow on her. Last but not least is the foreign exchange student that you mentioned, Fez, who they don't even say what country he's from. So he's just kind of making fun of anyone who's not born American. <laughs> it's, a, it's a running joke. Anytime you mention <clears throat> his country's name, like it gets obscured by the sound. Yes. And uh, yeah, he's like a ladies man. Uh, kind of a figure, but he's also like rarely effeminate, as you said. So, and a lot of the time, like Fez was not a ladies' man. You wouldn't say he was a ladies' man. Fez actually was a never like he was always trying. He was like a hornbag, but he would 
unless in the later seasons, I know he ends up with Jackie. I think but he, like, he was never seasons. because that comes does, into play he, in that '90s show. I that's like a shift in the character, but like he was never a ladies' man. He was always like generally like in the show, he was always like kind of like the eel weird loser uh, exchange guy who was kind of. <clears> deep. I think he becomes one just because of the way that I saw like the mm. like I saw the season series finale and stuff. But I could be wrong. Whatever. He ended up I know he ended up with Jackie, for example. And didn't Jackie end up with like all of them at some point? Well Jackie uh basically got run trained by the entire crew except for Eric. <laughs> like, like it was <laughs> uh she was with she was with uh Kelso for that was her on again, off again relationship. Then she would go with Hyde, and then she eventually ended up with uh, Fez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's her arc. (laughs) And last but not least, we also have the parents of the group, mainly Kitty Foreman and Red Foreman, who are Eric's parents. Um, Yeah. And Kitty's a very motherly, affectionate, very, like, you know, perky mom. And Red is, you know, a very stereotypical dad who he's tough and he's hard around the edges and he was a war veteran (laughs) and he's a disciplinarian but the nice thing about kitty and red's relationship is that they you know they they still like to keep things exciting yeah and red foreman was is played by kurtwood smith but do you know who was originally they were trying to get to play his dad the dad who chuck norris (laughs) really how weird would that show have been if it was Chuck Norris? Is because that's crazy. Kurtwood Smith is so good at this show. He is, yeah. Like rewatching it, I'm just like, God, he is like magical on screen. You know, he's a great actor. He's the bad guy in RoboCop, which is one of my yes, favorite right. movies. And he's so good. It's like he's unrecognizable, you know, from one to the next. He's a mm-hmm. really good character actor. Um, I mean, there's other characters that come in and out of the series, but I think those are the main ones and especially kind of important for transitioning to that 90s show. Um, this ran for eight seasons from 1998 to 2005. And towards the end, a lot of the pe- like a lot of these people got to be famous and they were like, hey, I need to like move my career forward. So I got to leave the show. So like Topher Grace exited in season seven. I think yeah, shortly so thereafter, Ashton Kutcher did. Yeah, Ashton stayed for a couple more episodes, but his contract as soon as his contract was up, he also he also left. I think the only ones who stayed behind out of the original cast were De- uh De- like uh Mila. Mila Kunis, Danny, Wil- Wilmer Valderrama. Wilmer and uh, Laura. And Laura Prepon, yeah. And they brought in I forgot he's an actor I've seen in a lot of things before. Who Josh Myers. That's <clears throat> it. They brought him in and he was like kind of the worst. Yeah. Well, he was like the love interest to new- Laura. Ex- yeah, exactly. And it was like kind of, and it was Donna's like new love interest, and it was just like I think it was like the cousin or something. It was silly. Yeah. Um. So I only watched I watched about less than half, uh, less than half, less than ten episodes of the show. Like uh, until forever. Like, yeah, and like well, because again, I knew about it. I knew a lot mm-hmm. of my friends watched it, and I knew the dynamics, but I never really sat down and watched an episode at least from beginning to end or like really paying attention to it. It must've been on the background or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so Which is funny. Cause like you love like old shit. Yeah. But I wouldn't say this is old shit. This is new shit. Trying to pr- be old shit. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like showing you. It's like, ah, ha, ha, remember the seventies, how cool they were. I thought you would have been all about this. Yeah. So, okay. Like I actually, bottom jeans watching this. I have some problems with this show. I mean, first of all, 
They say that Star Wars came out in 1976 when it didn't. Star Wars came out in 1977. They're getting their fucking facts wrong. That is that really pissed me off because I was like, do they think that the like? I guess the internet wasn't as ubiquitous in 1998. Okay, sure. No, but like, sure, definitely wasn't. But like, people have memories. Like, hey, like VHS has existed and said Star Wars came out in 1977. So that was like my big gripe about it first. Um, I I thought it was fine. I think my whole question of watching it is, is this audience for real? Cause like, it almost seemed very like married with children where they're like screaming their asses off in that audience. And I'm like, do they get the audience drunk or is this just like all of this stuff added in after and like editing? Cause it was like, I'm like, the show's not that funny. Um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was filmed in front of a live audience. Ah, there uh, we go. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure this was not like a show that was filmed in front of a live audience i can't i can't be 100 percent sure i don't know i didn't do that deep dive of research into this but i'm pretty sure it's just a laugh track okay because like you know sometimes you'll you can tell when it's in front of a live audience when like an actor takes a break or something waits for the laugh and all this but that audience was like so obnoxious <clears throat> that i just i couldn't believe it and that for me is a turnoff is that a turnoff for you no, because I like multi-camera sitcoms. With laugh tracks. Yeah. I mean... Whether or not like, the laugh track is organic or not. Whether or not it's organic or not. I know a lot of contemporary TV show watchers do not, but I don't know. I think it just gives me like a nice like retro feel to, to the show when they have it. Okay. I'm fully aware that, like, what's it called? The, the multi-camera show is a hard thing to still make and stuff because uh it's so funny i was just watching a video about like why multi-camera shows are like hard to make nowadays and it's a lot of it has to do with the aspect ratio of our consumption of tv because you know how with the new tvs we moved into 16 by 9 as opposed to tv shows that used to be filmed in 4 by 3 yeah and the 4 by 3 is a better aspect ratio for the multi-camera sitcom because it just focuses on just the actor. It lives in that kind of close-up, uh, which is weird because, you know, comedy tends to live in the in the wide. But because of uh, of TV, like, you know, when we were watching these shows, like, you would just focus on the one actor talking and stuff and then, like, maybe get the wide shot. And as a, as a director, you had to, like, make sure you stage them correctly, block them correctly. Uh... But now, because of like the wider aperture that we have on our cameras and stuff, uh, now you have a lot of dead space that you and you're not kind of like focusing on like the wrong, not on the wrong thing, but like there's more to focus on, right? Mm. And I think that has kind of, in a way, hurt uh, like that multi-camera sitcom feel. I think so for sure. Um, it is interesting too because sometimes when you watch it, in the cl- it's just like so clear and so crisp the picture, and then it goes back to that old-fashioned style. It feels uh-huh. kind of like it's misplaced. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. So it, it is kind of like a does. mind fuck of some sorts. Uh, this show is highly successful, and people love this show. I, I feel like it's one of you know at least Fox's most successful sitcoms to ever air on their uh, channel. 
I think it's because you can put something in the 70s and give it like this retro kind of like callback feeling and then address things that other things can't and make it unique. You know, this show addressed a lot of the social issues of the 70s, like, okay, like weed and smoking, sexual attitudes, um, you know, the economic hardships that happened in the 70s recession. Mm -hmm. um, uh, actually, a lot of layoffs really, and stuff. Yeah, that was actually mm -hmm. probably portrayed the most, I think, nicely by... Uh by red yes and like the uncertainty of how they're going to make it as a family without making the show about that right because the show's focus was the teens yes and so there's kind of like this like level of like uh like a wall between that reality and like you know what kids are experiencing which i think is in retrospect watching them just like it's kind of this was it's like i think it's a very well put together show like in retrospect like I didn't like it as much, but watch going back and like watching some of these episodes, I'm just like this is this is like a, I understand the appeal for the show. Like this is a very well written, tight show. Yeah, and it's meant to be for young kids, but people who grew up in the '70s could you know enjoy it. At least mm -hmm. in the '90s, it was it was that way. And then again, it's just all about kids and their dynamics. And like there's everyone loves the central love story of like two people will they won't they, even though. Eric and Donna pretty quickly will they and do they and they do. <laughs> they do. Um, and yeah, then they are on together off again. For, yeah, for the whole on time. On and off is the thing, but yeah, and it's just very like it's Point Place, Wisconsin. It doesn't exist, but it's just like your average small, you know, Americana town. And I think people actually like have this sense of nostalgia for that kind of life that might not exist anymore. Um, well, for sure. I mean, I think that was the appeal of the of that seventy show. Yeah. It, kind of exploited nostalgia so yeah so it helps that older audiences you know watch it and just be like oh i remember that that's funny yeah. and it's great because like in retrospect also the show didn't like it never made fun of the technology and stuff and it was never like those kind of like one hit notes of just like oh look at how silly betamaxes were right yeah uh, actually for the betamax joke the recurring joke was constantly just like i don't want a betamax i want a tape uh a tape deck <laughs> A tape deck, right? And then what does he get? Of course, the Betamax and stuff. And I think a lesser show could have done just like a one-hit joke about like, look at the beta deck, uh, the Betamax. Look how silly it was back then. Remember, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, where this show in the earlier seasons, because I never really watched the later seasons. Once, once Jackie is hooking up with Fez, I, I kind of also, <laughs> I too, let go of the show. <laughs> just like no. Is that when it jumped the shark? I don't well, I think it lasted like three years after that. So oh, like damn. uh is it did it really jump the shark? No, uh I think the show like the office when uh the main stars leave, it's just like one of those shows it's just like why why are we continuing this? We should just end it. Yeah. But you know, the 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 landscape for television was so different back then because back then you're supposed to keep making these like the network as so long as like your your ratings don't drop they're going to keep churning out this these shows and stuff which doesn't allow some shows to have like a proper ending because you're at yes. the whims of the network yep yeah and some shows get canceled and you know like a big one being my so-called life in the 90s and people are like oh my god that season finale ended on such a uh, cliffhanger that series finale mm -hmm. and people never even got like their you know satisfaction from that ending so it's always like it's either that or the other extreme where mm -hmm. something goes on for too too long and then it kind of ruins it for you like do you think that friends got ruined in their last couple seasons when they started pairing like rachel and joey together i still stand by the fact that like i could see why rachel and joey tried it out 
Mm. They didn't. They didn't. And I was never. I was. I think I mentioned this in the friends episode. I was just like, I get it. They're both two hot people. They're single. Like, of course they're going to try to like. It's like maybe we could try this out. And then when they realize like, nah, this is weird. That's fine. Like that's normal. I think that happens in friends group. It's never happened to me, but I guess it's happened before. Maybe you need to like expand your circle of friends. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I definitely don't have as many lesbians as I would like. Exactly. So that's definitely go. a reason. <laughs> I think if I've seen the L word, which I have for this podcast, like it's just like L word would tell me it's just like. It's a who's who of like who have I <laughs> gone down on? You know. <laughs> I mean, I guess when I was younger, I, I I experimented with people, and then we just continued being friends. So I guess it's true. Um, but this is well, whatever. Friends was a little different, but I'll give you that. Uh, you said something really interesting that the landscape is different now for television. It's it's a completely different ball game, and that's the environment in which this 90s show exists where there's streaming to compete with there's youtube tv and like people making their own original content out there you know there's stuff that still airs like 8 p.m on a wednesday on your like main network there's just so much stuff and it's hard to like decipher sometimes agreement with the crop i mean there's so much stuff out there that sometimes we're like what are we going to choose to you know cover Mm because all of these things are like conflicting with one another um, that 90s show is not on Fox. It's on Netflix. This was made strictly for Netflix, which is yes. interesting because I thought that 70s show was going to be on Netflix, but it's on Peacock, even though it was a Fox show. I don't understand well, how any of this works. Because so the that 70s show's popularity grew when Netflix picked up the streaming rights and stuff, but they lost the rights in 2020 mm. as uh, Peacock was about to go pick them up and stuff. So that's why now they're on Peacock. There you go. Yeah, Peacock was smart enough to be like, if we're going to get the op- people to come to us for The Office, we got to offer them other shows. So uh-huh. like, that's why they grabbed that and shit And you up. know, Peacock, NBC, they have like a large library. I don't know <clears> who <throat> was the, what was the, I know it was, a, uh, it was aired on Fox, but it might not have been a Fox show, right? Like it could have been produced by uh, hmm. uh, a different company, right? Like it could have been, Produced. The production company was the Carsey Warner company, so I don't know what that is. So that means that I guess it's any whoever buys the rights to it can own it. Carsey and and Warner aren't. They did, uh, for example, Third Rock from the Sun. Where's that uh, remake? <laughs> I would I would so want a revival of Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, they did Roseanne. That's how I they know did them. Roseanne. Yes, yes, that's yes. how I know them. Yeah. Which got revived, and we still haven't covered. Maybe we will, even though I'm sure the Connors is fucking terrible. Oh, um, Eddie loves it. I've actually seen some episodes. Like, that show is still pretty grim. Yeah. Like, a good, like, for a comedy, but like, it's still a pretty grim show. Yeah. Well, I, then I guess that's somewhat true to Roseanne, because it like took comedy and the harsh realities of what it is to be like a person in middle America. But now, it's I'm sure it's lower class America. So, um I mean, middle-class America. Um, Anyway, in middle America, literally, Illinois. Okay. That 90s show, Netflix, uh, Mm -hmm. developed by the same people who developed the first one, Bonnie Turner and Terry Turner and Mark Brazil. Do you know who Mark Brazil is? I do not. Should I? I, When I was researching it, I found this weird thing where the only information I could find about Mark Brazil is that he had a very public conflict with Judd Apatow. And like oh. their like really aggressive emails to one another got leaked in the really? early two thousands when Judd Apatow wanted to have Topher Grace on one of his shows, and like they just got into this huge feud about it and they started they calling were fighting each about other's, 
<clears throat> Topher Grace. So I guess funny. they just didn't like each other, and they're like, "Your show sucks." No, your show sucks. You stole my idea. No, you didn't. You stole my idea. You wish you were me, like that kind of stuff. What show would Judd Apatow? What Freaks and Geeks? Undeclared. Oh, the college show. Wow, man, I that's a show I haven't thought about in forever. Yep. So huh. there you go. Uh, so they decided to take the next generation or maybe a generation later, of the people who were in the That 70s Show and visit them. So now these are the children of the main characters from That 70s Show. So, of course, all of them ended up high school sweethearts, right? Donna and Eric had a baby and named it Leia because he's obsessed with Star Wars. Right. Which, like, if I was Donna, I would have left his ass. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, like, naming your child Leia? I don't know. It's kind of a cute name. <laughs> it's not a name that I would go with. <laughs> And this was, like, before Star Wars was cool. It was, like, the mid-90s. So, oh, like, yeah, the, the because... three films didn't come back yet. <laughs> so, but so... that's because he was a, a diehard nerd, you know? Yeah. Again, I would have loved his ass. Um, we also have Mila Kunis and uh, Ashton Kutcher's Kelso have a baby together. And they have Jay Kelso. Mm-hmm. So... We have Leia, we have Jay, and then we have a bunch of other girls. One of them is Gwen, who is the next door neighbor now instead of Donna, which I haven't finished the show, but I'm like, hmm, nope. sexual vibes there? No? I, I thought so too. Oh, what a bummer. And I looked it up. I'm just like, no, they must, right? And they don't. They set it up. They set. They even had them well, sitting we'll, on the hood of the car. We're going to compl- we'll, we'll, we'll get to okay, this. We'll, we'll get I to have it. a major complaint about that. Okay. Uh, we also have Ozzy. Uh, who is, I think, the only openly gay boy in the group. And he's, like, really, yeah. you know, like, uh, insightful, perceptive, and kind of, like, uh, very withdrawn almost somewhat kid. Uh, cynical? Cynical, yes. There is Nate Runk, I think is his last name. Or I just Nate. Um, but he's... I, I, I have no... Look, I can, I can see them... But I can't can't tell them apart. Yeah, can't tell them apart. Like he, names wise. Well, he's the half brother of Gwen, mm-hmm. and uh, he's kind of like the Kelso of the group. Now he's kind of the dumbass, but he's got this hot girlfriend named Nikki, um, who is with the worst s- wig. What is hot with that girlfriend. wig? The I'm worst like, wig. I'm just like, yo, that is an abomin girl. I get that people had weird hairstyles in the '90s, but like they didn't look as bad as that. No, they did like, not. Fuck. She and. There's no way that she would not have changed it up, like, regularly. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if they were going for, like, you know, Ty and Clueless, like, Ty's haircut looked good. Hers doesn't. So that's the basis right there of the friend group, the new friend group. Leia is now the new Eric. Um, Kelso's there. Ozzy, Nikki, Nate, and Gwen. And she is staying with her grandparents for the summer. Because apparently where she lives, which I guess is Chicago or something, or Milwaukee. It's so boring. <clears throat> it's so boring and she has no friends, which is so weird because I'm like, really? Point Place, Wisconsin is more exciting than where you guys live? Okay. Like, you're in Chicago in the 90s, which I'm only assuming is all drugs and crime. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> and I love how, like, Donna, you know, as, as a grown-up and a mom of this baby, who also probably must have given birth to Leia in 1981... Um, right after she fucking graduated high school, she's an author and fucking, uh, Eric Foreman's an adjunct professor. I'm like, wow. I love how everyone in sitcoms, their dreams come true. Uh, oh, it's, it's just, sick, <laughs> might be. it's what only in Roseanne 
and in the Connors where none of your dreams come true. <laughs> that's why the that, show is so grim. That's not, the dreams come true, but very short-lived. Yes. Yes, I guess so. Uh, okay, so like we said, Kelso and Jackie got together, but we don't really know what they do. They they wear suits. That's yeah, all They we were know. getting remarried for their – that's their second remarriage, I think. Oh, yeah, that said. was the joke, yeah. Uh, but – it's confirmed later on that, like, yeah, she was still with, uh, with him, with uh, with Fez, but she left him for Kelso. Wow, which I think is kind of mean, like you know, like that is kind of mean. That's kind of messed up, yeah. <laughs> for her to go back, but her, I mean, everyone knows that, like, her and Kelso were like doomed to end up together. And I guess they still live in uh, Point Place, which is pretty sad. Yeah, you know, I mean. <sighs> Sure. <laughs> Maybe I'm being too judgmental. A I should not bit. do that. <laughs> um. Yeah, and Fez comes back too. Actually, uh, he comes back in the second or third episode because second episode. Yeah. The Gwen and Nate's mom is has a boyfriend and it's him, and he's a ladies' man now. So anyway, so yeah, so pretty much, you know, Leia wants to have friends, so she stays behind and she starts building up like kind of like the same rapport that Eric had with his where they like to smoke weed and they do that kind of like weed circle shot. Mm -hmm. They like to hang out in the basement with all the seventies decor and just kind of her being awkward and trying to find young love in 1995 is when this takes place. Uh, Okay. What are some of your thoughts about this show? It's giving Disney channel. Ooh, that is a good or bad thing for you. It's a bad thing. Mm. Usually, so because here's this isn't on network TV. It's not right. So it's just like we don't have to like if you're gonna do a multi camera sitcom, you can still be and you're gonna be try to be edgy. Just be edgy. There's no point in like you trying to like work around censors. There's no censors on Netflix, right? It's not FCC regulated. F- yeah, yeah, it's not FCC regulated, right? Because it's a streaming service. It's not like on airwaves. So that's my main complaint. Uh, I think the kids are, for the majority, terrible actors and actresses. Yeah, and it's I, also I the writing. Like the writing is not good. Them. Yeah, they're awful. The I, only one that's good is Ozzy. Ozzy, exactly. I really like Ozzy. I think Ozzy's a natural, and Ozzy's the only time like I laughed. Well, it's comedic timing. Yeah, he understands it. He's great. he doesn't. And uh, granted, he's playing like so he's stuck playing like like Fez the other. So not only is he Asian in like a Wisconsin community, but he's also and gay. gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like got double otherisms on him, but yeah, he he's not the only POC of the group though, which is at least nice. I had a problem with that. Yeah, tell me. I mean, my main problem is just like it's just like is would there really be this much? Di- would there really be this diverse a group of friends in the nineties in Wisconsin? Like, I think 3% of the Wisconsin population, I looked it up, it's like between 3 and 4% of the population was Asian. So it's just like, they're telling me like out of that 3 to 4% population of Wisconsin, they found the only gay Asian friend. And they're still choosing to be his friend, mind you. In the 90s, mind you, Ellen got canceled because she kissed a woman. You know what I mean? It was just like, I, I get it. It's a sitcom, you know, suspension of disbelief, but it's just like a little bit too much disbelief on that part. Yeah, no, these are some really open-minded Wisconsin teenagers in 1995 mm-hmm. to have him be with him. But they're all, supposedly, they're all outcasts. 
<clears throat> and that's one of the, like the episodes where they're like, oh, cool. You feel like you don't fit in. Well, we're all people who don't fit in, which I find interesting because I'm like, how does Kelso not fit in? How like, does the how does Nate not fit in? Is it how just because the they're fit not in? that like, bright? The, yeah. The girlfriend. Yeah. Nikki. Like, how like, does Nikki not like, fit how, in? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I might understand how Gwen and Ozzy don't, but I right. don't get the other ones. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I they don't have that kind of chemistry. And, you know, it's it's an, a show about white people, but all of those kids in that 70s show seem like they would be friends. Yeah. It was agreed. believable. And, and when they were taking the one token uh, foreign exchange student. And yeah. because, let's be real, a lot of the jokes that came for Fez or were about Fez were about his otherness. Yep. Right? So he was the butt of the joke because he was an other. So, yeah, it would make sense for a group of white kids to have a one friend that they can mock for being different. Uh, but this diverse, this rainbow of people, I understand they're trying to make up for their mistakes of the past, but it just feels forced. it's a little... Yeah, it does feel a little forced. It, it feels a little bit... Uh, I'm not really buying this. Yeah. I'm no, it doesn't feel very organic. I mean, the, it feels so heavily from everything that you like about that 70s show. Even, like, the little, like, skit, like, okay, when we go from one scene to the next, we have our little scenes of them, like, dancing, and it's 90s backgrounds and stuff. Which I didn't need. It didn't, yeah. Or make it more 90s. Give me some uh, Lisa Frank. I mean, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, it felt like it's, again, it's just another regurgitation of something that, you know, we love and we have nostalgia for. But, like, giving it too much of a similarity to the original piece and not really adding anything new and insightful. Um, yeah. It just, it's the, not really giving me any commentary about the 90s either. It's not. because and The fashion. What do you think about the fashion here? Did it feel 90s to you? Mm, no. It didn't, right? At least the 70s show. Like, when I'm watching it, I feel like I'm watching, fashion, yeah. like, 70s. This one feels like, I don't know, Old Navy? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, like, the, the most nostalgic I got was when they were in that video store. The video. The oh, one that Kelso the, worked at okay. when she wanted to watch like Clerks. Like and the stuff. Blockbuster. The Blockbuster. Yeah. And even then, it was just like, I don't know. yeah, that was the only time where I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this does take place in the 90s. It just didn't feel. It just didn't work for me. No, it didn't. I would agree. Uh, the other main issue I have was kind of the forced friendship between. Leia and uh, Gwen, Gwen, mm. right? Because so let's like, talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. We're gonna get right into it. A, I thought the writers were gonna create like a lesbian storyline here. I figured like, oh, okay. So this I'm gonna shake things up. I can get behind this. I'm not. I'm not so close minded that I I'm I don't want Eric Foreman's <laughs> daughter to be a lesbian. I'm like, you know what? Because Donna would not give a fuck. Nor would actually Donna Kitty, the only fuck. one, actually. And then you would create some conflict because Red might be the only one who'd need some time to get used to it. But I'm sure, like, he would come around, right? Like, we've grown with these characters enough to love them, but we know where their hearts lie. And I don't think they would be completely... I don't think any one of them would be homophobic. I just think it would be a learning curve for some of them, right? Mm-hmm. They introduce... They kind of toy with the idea because, like, she... Uh, this girl, she is staring out the window to this girl dancing to Alanis Morissette. Yes. A terrible dance, in my opinion. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but all of a sudden, like, 
bootleg CDs is going to bring them together. It's just like, yo, this girl was like spying on you. Isn't this a little creepy? I yeah. guess not. But well, not only that, what she said, she's like, I'm just staring at you, you know, wanting to be with you or wanting to be you or something. Yeah, something, Says something like oddly it, creepy, but romantic. Right. And it's just like, so I, I just assumed this is like, oh, okay, great. This is going to be a coming out story. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's give this a chance. And what happens? She ends up falling for Jay. So fucking typical. And Who, that is by the, the way, they have the no chemistry. No, they don't. At also, all. I mean, because Jay is so, at least Kelso was lovable. Both mm. in the performances and like his goofiness. This Kelso is just not. He's just kind of just like one dimensional. Yeah. No, he. Yeah. I don't feel anything about him. Also, He's going a, back to Gwen and, and uh, Leia really quick. Do you want to finish your statement? I was going to say like the guy they cast for Kelso. Beautiful guy because like he looks like you would expect uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis's child to look like. Mm, yeah, like, he does. I think he 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 looks like exactly like an amalgamation of them. So just like, oh, this is perfect casting. Yeah. Like he's gonna be breaking hearts in the near future. <laughs> yes. Um, the thing about them is that they also give them similar beats to Eric and Donna's relationship. So she's also the next door neighbor. Like mm-hmm. we said, they have this moment where they sit on the the hood of the car, which was something that Eric and Donna like always did. And then there's even this conflict of the episode where like Leia wants to kiss someone for the first time. Gwen is like oddly protective of her and not mm-hmm. wanting her to do it with Kelso. Yep. So it's and just I, like, uh, and I assume right it. there, I assume actually that episode will be like, okay, so now we're finally going to get the lesbian storyline here. And it mm-hmm. doesn't come. It it's, does it. Like, I actually thought I was like, oh, I have a way I can help you. And I thought she was just going for the kiss, but nothing happens. Are, are they like mm-hmm. not aware? Like, and it just makes me think that again, like they're do, they're checking off all of the boxes that they know they need to in terms of the diversity. But when it comes to the writing, they're like just going back to their old fucking simple hem- whole, like hetero uh, normative ways, which is fine, whatever. But it's like so unaware of itself that it sets this stuff up and like this natural progression that it's seeming to take, and then they just make this huge left turn and like go back to just like almost like wow. This feels like a 90s show mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense where it's like it doesn't even realize the natural progression that the show should be taking. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I because I, I think it's like the writer. It feels it feels lazy. Yeah. Like here's the problem. Like the writers are trying to hit up all these check marks that are forced. But yep. when they have something when they're writing something that like makes logical sense that you can, like, easily, like, build off of. It's just like, no, we're going to go the easier route, right? And then they end up giving, like, these corny jokes that feel like, I don't, like, children's, like a children's show. But, like, they're smoking weed and doing, like, drinking. So it's just like, here's the disconnect with this show, right? It gives, it's giving me Disney Channel or Nickelodeon, but it's trying to be, like, not. And it's, like, a weird juxtaposition for me where it's just like who is this fucking show for like who i don't i don't get it like i like as an adult as a man in my 30s late 30s now officially right 36 late 30s or is that still mid 30s i think yeah late yeah early late 30s (laughs) what okay so mid 30s i guess um as a man in my 30s i'm embarrassed watching this show because i'm just like this is a kid's show but like the that 70s show, even though it was like geared for a younger audience, the jokes were still funny. It was still a tight show. It was still a relatable show. This yeah. show is not that. Like, this show was just like kind of just like 
just terrible plot points. Yeah. Just kind of mashed together and stuff. Actually, the best things of the show are Kitty and Red and Ozzy. Like, them uh, kind of... And I kind of wish this is what the 90s show was about. Like, it would have been... I would have been okay with the plot of them taking in the daughter for the summer, but like really make the show about them. Like they're like next chapter of their life as retired people, like all of a sudden having to do like make them the main characters. Don't make the kids the main characters. I would say because I mean, Kitty, uh, Joanna Krupp, I think, right. Is that her name? Yes. Uh, she is struggled in this show. In my Deborah Joe Rupp. Sorry. Deborah Joe Rupp. She struggled in this show a little bit because, and not because of her performance, it's her, it's the writing that they gave her was a little bit like weak. It took her, a, it took them a while for them to find their footing again with Kitty. Uh, not so much with Red, but you know, it was still the writing was so weak that it just kind of felt like caricatures of the original characters. Mm. It took them a while to find their beats. Uh, like I would say the and the beat for me, I think came in episode five, which is like the episode where Ozzy comes out to, uh, to Kitty. And I think it's like a very sweet. I think it's like they're out of the episodes I have seen. It was my favorite episode so far because I think the coming out scene was touching, and I think overall it was it was like kind of sweet seeing. And Kitty, like I said, Kitty of course would happily like it was if it was her granddaughter, she would still embrace her in open arms, right? I just wish it was like it's a shame that it happened. Not shame that it happened to Ozzy, but it would have been so much better if it was just our girl Leia. Yes, it would you know? absolutely would have been. Yeah, I feels like the intentions for this show are not pure, <clears throat> in the sense where it's like whoever had the intention of making that seventy show, you know, it was just to make a show about what it was like for probably them, the creators, growing up in the seventies and like memories that they had, and it's like oh, throwback and stuff, and maybe we could address things now in the nineties that we couldn't in the seventies, whatever. You know, what are the intentions that behind this show? One, were they forced to do this? Obviously, they have to make everything all of the tie-ins to the original show as they can and and bring back the original uh, people as guest stars and whatnot. But then you also have to hit all these boxes of today and of the ways that, you know, you don't want to get canceled or, or called out for. So it just feels like they took all of this and maybe they didn't know quite the show that they wanted to do. And I just feel like maybe they were good intentioned, but like everything just comes off as a mess. Yeah, so. it, it, it does. And, it's a shame because I think, I don't know. I think realizing as I'm watching it, I'm just like, oh, you guys kind of did hit. Like you guys have the foundation here. Yeah. Uh, even like the original cast, are, you know, agreed to come back for some episodes. So it's just like all you really had to do was just give. If you guys are gonna make the teenagers a focus, like make make them funny, make this like a relatable show. And I think the other thing, the other big miss. Tell me if you agree or disagree here. It's just like casting them to be like age appropriate. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like these kids, they look like kids. And I don't know if that's just me getting older, but like Kelso, he was 20 and he looked like not a, like a 16, 17 year old when he was like playing the show. But he, there's a reason he was 20. So was uh tool for grace. So was uh Laura Pepron, right? Like they yeah. were older they don't look like children and stuff. I don't know why we had to go the route of like casting these children to play like the kids that are their own age, which I just don't know. It's a sitcom. Like we could, you know, it's a whole point of you, especially if you're making a 90s show. Like the whole point of the 90s was like teen comedy, teen dramas were 
having 30 year old people playing teenagers look at uh 90210 yeah well that i I mean those things have gotten dragged for that now so i think they just didn't want to you know get called out and dragged for it you make it you make it a meta point (laughs) like you know what i mean like you you go with it and you embrace it uh yeah, I maybe I mean that could be it. Where that's maybe why it was also giving me this Disney Channel because it just ends up feeling like I'm just watching like a Disney Channel original sure. TV show. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I was kind of uh, a little bit let down because underwhelmed. Yeah, you know, because I was watching. You know, as I do watch these in reverse. I watched uh, that '90s show, and I kept asking Eddie. It's just like Eddie was like the '90s show this corny. I don't think it was this corny. Like I like I granted show? I wasn't. That 70s show. Like, that, I was never the biggest fan. I'll admit this, right? But, like, I remember it not being this kind of cheesy and stuff. And I went back and started watching. I'm just like, no! These are, like, relatable stories about teenagers growing up. I don't... These other ones feel, like, more forced. But I don't know. The writing is more organic in the the original (coughs) show, it feels like. Yeah. You want to hear sad figures? Yes. Uh, between the original airing of that 70s show and the year they portray was 22 years apart. Mm-hmm. All right. Between that 90s show where it's set and now it's 27 years apart. Whoa. How scary is that? They mentioned going to see Batman Forever in one of the episodes. So I was like, I remember seeing Batman Forever. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Which I loved, but Me too. Was that an, you know, was that a 1995 film? Yes, that was a 1995 film. They a actually film? did yeah. their okay, research. Good. They so, did, yeah, because they knew that we were called out. Yeah, by me. Yeah. How much do you think <laughs> Mila Kunis got paid to like stop her feet and say Michael and a couple other lines? Um, I don't know. Good question. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like, like out of pretty penny, everyone she had the least to do. But um, I think she, but she was the one who captured the original character the best i think oh you think so i think when she came on screen and she was screaming at kelso it felt like oh she did the assignments she went back to her roots and it's like it's it's hard because she was there as a kind of the joke character like the surprise like cameo as opposed to uh topher grace who kind of had like a major starring role in the first episode he was you know he was struggling with letting go of his daughter uh laura prep who shows up a few times throughout the series uh, as Donna. Yeah. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think there's drama between Topher Grace and Laura Pepron and uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis? Because why would they not have all had one scene together? Well, maybe they did. We didn't finish the show. No. Topher Grace only shows up the one time. Oh, maybe and then they so just... so does... I think so does uh, 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 Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Laura yeah. Pepron is the only one who shows up regular, Like, not regular, like three times in the series. Maybe they just didn't want. Maybe they were too expensive. You know, maybe they all had conflicting schedules. I don't know, but yeah, maybe I there is was, drama. Because I think Eddie, Eddie was just like, "Why wouldn't you just like have them all together for what?" Like, like that seems like you're visiting your family. Why wouldn't you visit your high school friends if you could? Well, what about without Fez and Hyde? And we we can't have Hyde on the show, obviously. Well, we know so. why. Yeah, we know yeah. why Hyde, but wasn't on the show. Uh, yeah. So it's like, but maybe it would feel weird for everyone to see them without those characters present. Maybe, especially because Hyde was. <clears throat> I think the only character who was like in every season. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the only characters. Uh, so maybe. But could be why. I don't know. That could. I mean, maybe that's a good. That's a good theory. Uh, 
we need to talk about the two dead characters who are who died like two characters like, died the two actors who died who died the eric Foreman's sister who played Lori, the girl who, the woman who played Lori, she died she was like addicted to i think drugs and stuff oh boy she, i think she died during the actual making of the show and they had to like recast her yeah they did recast her so they wow. did recast. okay or maybe she didn't die yet but she was like very very much under drugs the influence okay. of drugs and stuff and that's why they replace her Jeez. and then uh donna's mom that's why she doesn't show up later uh, when uh, when Bob shows up. <laughs> I Bob mean, I, I clearly don't know this. And uh, he has, uh, the perm is still alive and well. Wow, okay. There we go. Aw. All right. Jeez. That's, um, yeah. That's it. But, yeah, right, we I talked mean, about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I spilled the tea. Um... But yeah, no, I think overall it was just a little underwhelmed. Is it like a terrible show? No, but it's not a show that I'm going to continue. I know that much. Like if they announce a season two and knowing Netflix and the way they do things, they might not. Uh, the reception for this show? I don't know. Have you heard anything? Uh, I don't know I, if your TikTok gets a lot of television reviews. I, I, I don't. TV. Yeah, I do. I mean, the stuff that I've been seeing on TikTok has kind of been like kind of like meh. It's like I'll probably watch it just to see the the cameos, but outside of that, yeah, I don't think I've seen anything that'll get as panned as Velma did. You know what? Velma's ranking on IMDb is one point three. I've been, I don't know. I've been, I, me and Eddie had continued watching it. We might be just an act of uh, defiance, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, 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 I don't know. I'm kind of just like this show is, it's not fire, but I think it's watchable. I, I think people are like weirdly like dragging the shit out of it they um, are it's there's it's, worse things there are way worse things yeah i can't think of it right now that, that i i would watch five seasons of velma over another second season of that 90s show look at that you know so, yeah we're doing two television shows back to back and two shows that people aren't like completely in love with were they necessary was it needed you know, who could say? Probably not. <laughs> I could say. I, my life is better without any of these properties or whatever. My life is the same. How about that? No, um, my life is better with Velma in it. Is it? It is. It is. Wow. You know why? Because I actually do like adult animations. I think animation is a, is a medium that should get explored more and more by uh, the media in general, right? Like, I think it's such an underutilized medium that I think liberates that could liberate creators in telling storytelling Mm. in ways that I don't know sometimes we're just too afraid to like you love a conventional film like filmmaking uh, right where animation can allow you to not be that and the problem is with animation that we associate it with like children's stuff and I think that's why I like adult animation where it kind of breaks that mold and shows 100% yeah I think yeah people need to realize animation is not just for kids as Um, opposed to this show this kind of makes me sad for the multi-camera sitcom because Netflix did have one very wonderful multi-camera sitcom it's called One Day at a Time and that mm -hmm. one showed me it's just like look they can still work yeah Uh, hell yeah they can this one is an example of what doesn't did you know that How I Met Your Father has an Emmy (laughs) <laughs> really? That's the other multi-camera sitcom that I'm thinking about right now. But it has an Emmy for best editing in a sitcom. Oh. 
And uh, I just found that like hilarious because like they're marketing their second season, which I didn't think was going to get because wow, awful received the first season was, and uh, the, the Emmy award winning series returns. I'm just like, what Emmy? That's a lie. That is a ball face Look lie. I looked it up, and there just it is. Just one for editing. <laughs> hey, you know what? It counts. It does. It does. Absolutely. Wow. Are we going to cover it? Maybe. I did. I. I loved How I Met Your Mother. It's like one of my favorite shows, uh, despite in retrospect how problematic it is uh, with its treatment of women. But I think that show is like so charming in the Mm. first few seasons. And I know it gets a lot of flack for how it ended, but I actually, I think I'm one of the few people who was just like, the show, you guys clearly weren't watching the right show (laughs) if you didn't think this was going to end this way. Like you yeah. were all in denial if you didn't think that uh, this show was going to end up with uh, Ted Robin and, and Robin. Ted, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Even though so. they fucked up in saying that she wasn't the mom in the first season, she it, it was still true. It was still the truth. She wasn't the mom, mm-hmm. but it was their love story all along. Uh, but no, I do, I do enjoy that show. But I'm like really curious because I love Hilary Duff also, right? Like I stand her. Uh, oh, she was in it. She's the lead for How I Met Your Father. Oh, okay. So, based, so yeah, when she lost Lizzie McGuire, which it's I thought the closest would have been a, we're gonna get to doing yeah, Lizzie. <laughs> it's yeah, this is and I what a shame because I, I thought Lizzie McGuire would be fire. Like if they went, the reason you know creative differences is why they didn't proceed. They didn't want uh, Lizzie McGuire having sex. They didn't want Lizzie McGuire uh, breaking off an engagement because he was cheating on her with. You know what I mean? It was too risque for Disney Channel. They were like, no, 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 Lizzie has to say virginal and she's just like fuck that <laughs> yeah too bad i'm glad though because i was never gonna watch a lizzie mcguire episode any other way so you've never seen to. lizzie mcguire not for me wow. i didn't watch disney channel like that so oh, i prefer disney channel over disney uh over nickelodeon any fucking day of the week i was a nickelodeon kid for sure yeah, i was a disney channel <clears throat> kid you know it used to be premium television <laughs> Used to Back be. in the day. It used to be. Yeah. All right, guys. I think this is a good place for us to edit, so we're getting a little off track. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all sitcom related. <laughs> all sitcom, yeah. It's multi-situational. Uh, let us know your thoughts. You can email us at remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals, on Twitter at remakespodcast. You can search for us on Facebook and on YouTube by searching for Remakes Reboots Revivals. And if you enjoy this podcast, please find us on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review or review us and rate us on any podcast platform that you listen to. Uh, I am a little sick. So if you've made it this far and you've been wondering what's up with my episode, uh, with my voice, that's what's been going on this episode. I've been I'm... recording an hour with you and I've been realizing this is like, what is going on with <laughs> Yeah. So I got my uh, sticky shoes, my sticky, sticky shoes. Isn't that like what Phoebe yes. sings when, yeah. And my voice was way like, you know, cooler before. Now I'm actually getting better. So, but yeah. Mm. Better. All right. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until next time, stay, stay on original. original.